0: It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: For the cheeseheads who want it fresh, and the ones who think Lambeau is a cathedral, this is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Welcome back to another episode of the Packs with She Said podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Maggie Loney, joined as always, not actually, joined as always this week by Perry Goldstein, who is celebrating Hanukkah with her family. So if you also celebrate Hanukkah, uh, we wish you a very happy holiday. Uh, but this week, see, it's like, it's like mechanical for me. I'm so used to back in the day when we did pack a day together. This week, I'm joined by Jacob Westendorf, owner, founder, creator of Game On Wisconsin, member of Packer Report. Basically, if you like the Packers, you probably follow him on Twitter. And if you don't, you should, because he's all about everything Packers. And if you're watching a video of this, Michigan. Um, so don't turn the podcast off if you're not a Michigan fan. But this week we have our Packers Rams recap on deck. Jacob, thank you for joining me. It's been a long time since we've gotten to do this.
0: It has. You're one of the uh, OGs as far as partners that I've had on on this platform. I always like to say Maggie Loney launched my podcast career. Um, <laughs> so it's good to be back. Uh, for those that are used to seeing Maggie and Perry, I apologize. Perry is uh, much more talented than I am, but I will try and fill her shoes as best I can.
1: Awesome. Well, we had a game on, on Monday night, and it, I think, you know, I think I'm I'm safe in maybe saying this. We'll, we'll see what you think. I think it was one of the most complete games we've seen the Packers play all season. Of course, it was against a bad Rams team, a very bad Rams team, um, sitting out of the play. Obviously, at this point, Packers officially eliminated them last night. But uh, before we dive into, you know, the offense, defense, special teams, breakdowns, what were your overall thoughts watching the game, um, how you're feeling now, about this Packers team and how it differs, you know, what we talked about pre-show mm-hmm. maybe from what you saw a couple of days ago. Yeah.
0: Uh, I think that it was, it was nice to see them like offensively. They were like the only way the Rams really stopped them was them stopping themselves. It was nice to see the pass rush kind of come back to life a little bit. Uh, granted you kind of mentioned at the top, there's a big old asterisk next to this game of saying like, it's the Rams, no Stafford, no cup, no Donald, like, the stars that this team has so many stars and only one of them, it was Jalen Ramsey played last night, but you know, the Packers have lost games like that against teams that I think or thought they were better than, uh, and they haven't been able to do that this year. So it was nice to see the offense kind of hum a little bit. Um, I thought they were aggressive really outside of the Aaron Rodgers interception and the Christian Watson hand signal gate at the end of the game. That's really, which was fitting, right? Of course that happened right after that article comes out, but Um, Yeah, it was nice to see that. It was nice to see the pass rush get after it. Keyshawn Nixon has been a revelation as a returner. I don't, you know, Lafleur said in his press conference, whether it was after the game or or today in his uh, media, I don't remember which, but like, you know, they deserve the criticism for not getting him back there sooner. And so I don't have to criticize him for it. He just kind of said that he deserves that. They didn't have a kick blocked. Special teams wasn't a disaster. Really the only thing last night that made me like remind me that the team wasn't isn't all that good is the the Rasul Douglas interception where he tried to Jacoby Myers the thing and it's just like <laughs> just it's okay to just accept an interception and if memory serves I don't think they scored on that drive either so that knocked him back further from field goal range and yada yada so down the line but I think your assessment's good it was as complete a game as you can think of Rogers said last night that you know they've, they've played two teams that they should beat um and that's about as diplomatically as you can say something like that about these two teams that are going right now but now they're going to play three teams that I think right now down the stretch if they want to make the playoffs it's three teams that are better than they are Miami's better Minnesota's better and Detroit I mean I don't know how you can argue with what the Lions have done over the last month and a half so but it was nice it was good you know two weeks off of Packer football even with this year being a little bit harder to watch you know ever since I've been really into This thing, the Packers have won 13 games each of the last three years. So it's almost like old hat of saying, if they won a game like that last night, last year, then we're kind of like, it was kind of ugly against a not very good team. But now it's kind of like, okay, that was cool. It was fun. It's good to see them. It's good to see the young guys out there. Um, There's certainly some optimism for this team for the rest of the season. And I think moving forward with the Watson and Dobbs additions and, and them building that chemistry with, with Aaron Rodgers or, you know, if we get some Jordan love towards the end of the year as well for whoever the quarterback is going to be in 2023.
1: Yeah. It definitely felt like this was the kind of game where you're looking at the Goody draft class and just, mm-hmm. it was, it was their performances that I think really kind of sold or you're hoping maybe would sell Rogers on coming back. I know he kind of alluded to that. Like, you know, you've got Watson developing, you've got Dobbs developing. What would a full year with Matt looking in his bag and a healthy offense look like? And obviously that's a conversation for another because you're likely losing Randall Cobb. You're likely losing Lewis and Lazard. And there's a lot of pieces that won't be the same, but the promise that you're getting from a lot of these young guys, Walker and Igbari on the defensive side of the ball. Mm -hmm. It was just a really nice outing, I think, for the Packers as a whole. But I guess before we talk about the Rams, because we're kind of doing this already, let's talk about this three-game stretch. You kind of alluded to it already. Obviously, the Packers have the Dolphins on Christmas Day. Then they finish up with two games at Lambeau Field against the Vikings and the Lions they need a little bit of help along the way, and that's assuming that they go 3-0. But the Giants and the Commanders don't really have easy schedules at this point. You know, the Giants have to play the Eagles still. The Commanders are playing the Browns at one point. They're playing San Fran at one point. So not many gimme games left on the schedule. So if the Packers, you know, want a shot, it's kind of theirs for the taking. Um, feeling good about, you know, their their ability to go 3-0, or is this just kind of a, a conversation that's going to be a moot point in a week from now? Uh,
0: if they beat Miami, I'll feel really good about their chances. Uh, like I think Minnesota and Detroit are better, but that game is those games are in Green Bay, and the Packers have been better even this year. And this year hasn't been a great year, but they've been better this year at home than they have, and they traditionally are. I think they're starting to find their stride a little bit. You know, what's the ceiling of this team? I don't. You know, I don't know. I. I, I mean, I. I would be stunned if they won three in a row to finish, which would end up being five in a row to finish the regular season. And then four playoff games to win a championship. I don't think that's part of their ceiling, but you know, I talked about this last night with Perone on pack and we were just kind of going through, like I, I like the culture of this team. Cause one of the questions that you kind of had about the team is they start to slip and get into that five game losing streak, and then they get a big win against Dallas, but then four days later they drop a home game against the Titans. And you're just kind of like, okay, that, you know, that kind of sucks up any good feeling that you had from that Cowboys game, it would have been very easy for this team to just kind of lay down and and play dead. They were down 13 rip against the Eagles. They fought back. They took the lead uh, during that game. And that's a team that has lost one game all season. They were down double digits against a Chicago team. It's cold. It's outside. It's on the road again, would have been easy to pack up and just kind of go home. They're not theoretically in the best position, to make the playoffs, anyways, and then you know, last night it would have been easy for them to not show up. It's five degrees outside, like it's freaking cold, and it's hard to be motivated to play in the cold when you're not very good. And we've seen that, you know, the twenty, I think it was the twenty eighteen or the twenty seventeen team, where they Rogers broke his collarbone, and then they played that frigid Christmas Eve game against the Vikings. And it's there's a shot of Jordy, like Brett Hundley, clearly underthrows him, and it's a ball that maybe Jordy could have come back for a little bit but he's kind of running straight but it didn't it optically just didn't look great and he's kind of just like you know reach for the ball and eh, if i catch it cool if not that's fine Mm too um i think they're in a good spot that way i think they fought uh which is a good thing to see you know i think that there's a lot of discussion about should they just lose the rest of their games and, and get the better draft pick and i'm a believer that losing begats more losing and this is a group where Some of these guys, like you mentioned, are going to be gone next year. But I think the, you know, the core of this team is going to be back. And that's rat poison that you can drop into a team if you just get used to losing. And some of these young guys like Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, some of them younger players, they don't know what it's like to be on a really successful team because they haven't been on one in the NFL. So I like that. Um, You know, Miami, I think, is going to be tough sledding. Green Bay played on Monday night. Miami played on Saturday. So they have an extra day. They already would have had an extra day if they played on Sunday, but since they played on Saturday, they have a double rest advantage in that way. It's in Miami. The Packers typically haven't played that well in Florida, but Miami's defense isn't very good. So with this Packers offense kind of starting to find its stride, A.J. Dillon cleared the concussion protocol today, so that's good news. Hopefully he's able to go on Sunday. You get those two backs rolling get some, you know, plays to Watson and Dobbs and hit Randall Cobb on some third downs. And if you can go score for score with them, the problem you're going to run into is, you know, offensively, the Dolphins just match up so well with this Packers team that, you know, they got those two speed guys on the outside. Tua has played much better this year than I thought he would. And Raheem Mostert is a Packers boogeyman who I still kind of have nightmares about from that 2019 NFC title game. But if they win that one, that's the best of the three teams left on the schedule. Then it's like, hey, win two home games and see what happens. Then you get a date with probably San Francisco at that point, which watch this be the year that the Packers actually beat the 49ers in a playoff game where they're not the better <laughs> team. Um, I feel better than I did a couple of days ago. Do I think the ceiling of this team is a playoff team? Do I think they're a deserving playoff team? No, but as is often said, deserves got nothing to do with it. So if green Bay wins five in a row to win the rest of their games and get into the playoffs, they deserve that. Do I think that's likely? No. If you had to ask me like on the spot right now, I'd say they probably go one and two. Don't ask me which one's the one. Cause I don't know which yet, but I think they win one of these final games at some point and they probably drop the other two.
1: All right. Well, you know, here's hoping that you are not correct uh, in that assessment. Yeah, so let's talk about the Rams game a little bit, because obviously, you know, we knew going into the game there would be no Aaron Donald. You mentioned it already. Obviously, no Matt Stafford, no Cooper Cup. Baker Mayfield with the team about 10 days, you know, coming into this as QB1 for them. Um, But we knew what the Rams, you know, were going to try to do. We knew where their weaknesses were and where their strengths were. And I think, you know, all things considered, the Packers did a nice job with that. Cam Akers, of course, you know, got his a couple times, but holding that offense to 72 yards on the ground Obviously, they've been a not good running game team all year. Baker Mayfield looked, you know, more like the human Baker Mayfield. We maybe would have seen Christmas Day last year with the Browns. Um, But I think those are the kind of building blocks that you think about when you're talking about a team that needs to consider running the table and going, um, like you said, on a five game win streak to get to the playoffs. So if you could give a game ball to somebody on the offensive side of the ball, who would get that game ball and why?
0: Oh, that's a good one Um, because there wasn't like a a great standout performance. You know, A.J. Dillon had two touchdowns. His first one was really nice. Uh, Aaron Jones had the play on the swing pass. You know, it wasn't a great game for Aaron Rodgers. Christian Watson didn't catch a bomb or anything like that. I'll go with Romeo Dobbs just to kind of not go with the two backs just because they scored. But it was, you know, he came back. He was limited. The Packers tend to like to ease their guys back into action once they've been gone for a while. Uh, but five catches on five targets. He looks comfortable. You know, there are things that you saw with Dobbs. I go back to the New England game. I remember early in the season where Dobbs catches, you know, Rogers gives him a hand signal, not to keep bringing those up, but he gives him a signal and Dobbs catches a back shoulder pass for a touchdown. And you're just kind of like, okay, that's something. And that's something that matters. And there are things that he does and he and Watson just, they complement each other so well with their skill sets. I, you know, I was talking to, My brother last night, and we were like, you know, if they can just add this offseason, a guy who's a true like yards after catch threat. They've got a deep ball guy who can kind of do more than just that with Watson. Then they got their intermediate route guy with Dobbs and add somebody in there. There's a really good path to optimism for this offense in 2023 with the full training camp and all that stuff uh, going through. But I think Dobbs coming back, he made the plays that were given to him. He had one of the intermediate throws. He kind of had a snatch. Just right out of thin air, um, catching the ball away from his body, which is harder. You know, his hands are pretty well extended on on one of his catches. So, I'm excited about the development of both of these rookies. Um, I thought it would take some time, maybe even the full year, and it definitely felt like it was going to be a full year thing, especially for Christian Watson. But it's crazy just the turning point of his of his season that happened uh, in that Dallas game uh, specifically. But yeah, I'll go with Dobbs. I think he had a I think he had a really good night, uh, and I look forward to him trying to you know, build on that. These are things that even if Green Bay doesn't make the playoffs, every play that those guys make matters for the rest of this year, building that confidence and then going into 2023 with what you're hoping is, you know, a team that, because I think what the Packers are going to do is just say, Hey, it wasn't our year. We had bad luck on the injury front. We had bad luck with this. We had bad luck with that. We're going to try. We think this team's really good. I I promise you Brian Gutekunst will probably say say something to that effect in his postseason press conference. So all of these plays that they're trying to make in stack, you know, if those two guys stack three really good performances together to, to finish the season, it really matters. And Dobbs did that last night after missing, you know, a month and a half.
1: I agree with you. That's a really good pick. I'm going to take Zach Tom for mine, keep it, you know, in the rookie family, at least for the offensive side of the ball. Um, Say what you want about David Bakhtiari and his struggles to stay on the field this season. You know, a lot of that isn't his fault. Rehabbing from the knee injury, which, you know, as it came out earlier this season was more severe than we maybe had initially expected. It was more than just an ACL. Obviously did not also want to have appendicitis added to uh, the injury report, but, You know, we'll see what that looks like and if he's able to play any of these final games. But Zach Tom having to come in as a rookie, not just playing left tackle, which is obviously a challenge with this offensive line, but playing just about everywhere almost this season, you know, to see him come in. And yes, you know, Aaron Donald wasn't there, but they still have guys like Leonard Floyd. You know, the Rams defense front is still nothing really to sneeze at. I thought he did a really nice job, at least uh, for a large part of the game. So not sure what the offensive line will look like. Next season, you know, that's probably another conversation when we talk about what the wide receiving core will look like, what the tight end room will look like. If Rodgers wants to come back, the offensive line, I'm sure, will be a part of that. There will be some decisions that need to be made there as far as what some of the salary cap commitments are there. But Zach Tom at least looking like another gem for the Packers um, on the third day of the draft for Goody. Um, Let's flip it then. And uh, you can give a game ball to somebody on the defensive side of the ball.
0: Yeah, Preston Smith. Um, I talked about needing the the step up from the pass rush, and that's a guy who seems to be a popular salary cap casualty candidate from the people that are looking ahead and doing the Twitter GM thing uh, for the end of the year. And I, I think the Packers have. I don't want to say gone out of their way, but they've found ways to keep him. Like I remember after the twenty twenty season, because he was great in twenty nineteen. He gets here. He's he's the second fiddle to Zadarius Smith, uh, but really not even really a second fiddle. He was equally as awesome as Z was that first year, 2020, he comes in, there's comments that he looks a little chunkier. He doesn't have the greatest year that year. And then he was awesome last year. Um, but after that 2020 season, there's a lot of discussion like, Oh, green Bay could save 8 million. If they cut him, they'll probably just do that. Cause then they have Z and Rashawn and, and they'll just kind of build around that group. Well, then they, they kept Preston. He took a pay cut to his credit. Um, Cause I always say players should never do that, but he did good for him. And he got a new contract out of it. I just think that that's a room that, you know, Rashawn Gary got hurt November 6th. So timeline wise, you know, 12 months from that is obviously November. So you go, if it's nine month recovery timetable, he could be a guy that probably starts training camp on the physically unable to perform list, but they've got some decisions to make in that edge room because, you know, Kingsley Anigbaris has had some nice moments. I think he's more of a rotational player as opposed to a starter on a really good defense and that's not a knock. That's just the nature of of that position. You know, you need actual like just dudes at that position and and Anikbar, maybe he is one and I'm wrong. That certainly is possible, but you know, I think if you have him as a rotational guy, Gary comes back, um I always say I'm looking forward to the mock drafts that have the same three players in them and it'll be the two mm-hmm. receivers and Michael Mayer, the tight end from Notre Dame. And Green Bay will take a pass rusher or a defensive lineman, which is, in my opinion, a lot smarter on that effect. But that's a different conversation. But Preston, it was nice to see him get after the quarterback. He's he's just steady, Eddie, rock solid um, and sometimes spectacular. And I think you need guys like that on your team. Uh, It's and I, I really appreciate just him since he's been a Packer. I think you hear the stories about how he's become a bit of a leader in the locker room over the last couple of years, especially Aaron Rodgers has mentioned him by name as a voice in that locker room, but maybe he's not, you know, he's not as flashy as his former Smith counterpart. uh, But I think he's rock solid. And I think he's done a really good job for most of the year, even if the sack numbers don't necessarily uh, correlate with that. And he's somebody that I think Green Bay, you know, if they're if Rogers is coming back and they're trying to do this thing again, that's a guy that's got to be toward the top. I don't, you know, I don't have a priority list on right here, but I think he's got to be toward the top, especially when you consider if Gary's not ready to start the season, your starters are Kingsley and Igbari and Jonathan Garvin. Like I don't you know, t- I don't know. A, t- a t- p- yeah, one of them guys who like the neck nothing against those guys, but the next play that those guys make will be the first one of their careers. So it was nice to see him have a big night last night. I thought that was awesome. And I love his sack celebration. Simplicity is key on those things. So that's my favorite one. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I was thinking about taking JJ just, you know, for a lot of the reasons you mentioned, um, going with the rookie there. I thought he had a really good night. Um, I like the thought of it being Smith, Rashan, and Inigbari, but I'm with you. I think we need to see more from him, obviously. But so far, I mean, just as a rookie season, I think he's come on a lot stronger than a lot of people would have expected for a fifth-round pick. I'm thinking of him being a rotational piece, I think is really nice. I'm going to take Kenny Clark. He didn't, you know, jump off the stat sheets, uh, but he was looking like Mr. December. Say what you want about the Rams offensive line and the 14 different combinations that they've trotted out um, so far this season. Obviously not a good unit, but I think these are the kind of the foundational building blocks that you need. If you're talking about a team that's going to run the table and Kenny Clark, arguably, had his best game of the season. And I think a lot of the other defensive linemen looked really good. TJ Slayton had a couple really nice tackles. Jaron Reed had a couple nice tackles. So what this unit can do against some better offensive lines down the stretch, I think, you know, this is, again, you're playing in the cold. It's Lambeau field. These are the guys that you really need to get going if you're going to have a shot at actually shutting down some of these really high-powered offenses coming up in the next couple weeks.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was nice to see, and you know, you're saying like say what you will about the Rams offensive line, but seriously, when's the last time we saw Kenny Clark look like Kenny Clark? And you're talking about a guy who, when you say foundational pieces, he's gonna be here next year, and he's one of their you know, they always say you need your stars to be stars. Well, the high-paid defensive guys for Green Bay next year, Kenny Clark, Smith, and Gary, I think Gary will get an extension this offseason, and Jair Alexander. Well, two of those guys specifically. Alexander to some degree, Kenny Clark to a higher degree, have underperformed this year. So those are guys that like in the offseason were like, hey, you know, we need you guys to be studs, superstars, because that's what they're paying them to be. And how you make you know, this defense will probably undergo some kind of change. I can't picture the Packers going, you know, seven and ten, eight and nine from Super Bowl aspirations and making zero change whatsoever. Um, so I imagine the easiest scapegoat is the coordinator and the coaching staff on the defensive side of the ball, but they need those guys to be stars. So you're right. It was nice to see Kenny look like Kenny Clark. Cause it's been since what the beginning of the season, like, I can't remember the last time he made a play that I was like, Oh, there he is. Like it's, and he had those early in the game last night, kind of slowed down the run. Joe Buck made a couple of jokes about it, which I thought was pretty funny, but yeah, it was good to see him, uh, get rolling a little bit. Hopefully something, especially with, you know, the challenge that is this Miami, zone blocking scheme that's coming in and Raheem Mostert who not to keep bringing up his name, but you know, they're going to fade to end the year. Raheem Mostert, Dalvin Cook, and then Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift. Those are three really good teams when it comes to running the ball and and four really good running backs with those guys I just mentioned.
1: I think you might've answered this question already, but before we wrap things up then, you know, obviously the Packers beat the Rams knocked them out of the playoff contention you know, everything is looking good so far. They're on that two-game winning streak. You know, they're they're healthier than they've been, arguably, if they can get Dave Bakhtiari back. They got guys like Devonder Campbell back. Dobbs came back. So, you know, healthier than they've probably been for the bulk of the season. So I think one of the things that is frustrating for a lot of people with this Packers team is that they start to get rolling. You see, you know, Matt LaFleur kind of getting into his bag of tricks. He's said all season that he's got a bag for every player on offense. And, you know, sometimes it'll be the Christian Watson bag that he brings out or the Romeo Dobbs bag. So, you know, all of that said, and, you know, we still see plenty of mistakes when it comes to both sides of the ball. There's communication errors and missed tackles all over the defense. There's, you know, communication issues and, you know, wrong routes and things like that, or missed hand signals to further, um, you know, bring those up um, on offense. So all of that taken into account, if the Packers are going to run the table, what do you think is the biggest concern that you have for them in these final three weeks? And is it run defense because you've mentioned four really good running backs.
0: Yeah. It's the defense kind of in general. Um, you know, I, they've done, I'll give them credit where it's due. They've done a nice job in their last two games uh, against bad offenses. I mean, that's what the the bears are. They're not a good offense. And um, the Rams with the skeleton crew, they have are not, you know, last time they played a, a legitimate NFL offense was the Philadelphia Eagles and the Eagles ran for like 600 yards or something like that. You know, and then when you play Miami and, and Minnesota, and honestly all three of these teams have excelled throwing the football in addition to running it. So they have the capability of, okay, you commit too much to, you know, Raheem Mostert. while they also have Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. So I think it's, it's paramount for the Packers this week to slow the Miami running game down with those light boxes because Tyreek Hill it's, I mean, you blink and he's in the end zone like it is. And Waddle is just a shade under, but still really, really fast. So it's hard to play those games with those guys. Obviously we know the deal with Justin Jefferson in Minnesota, Kirk cousins is having the best year of his career. And then Detroit, I mean, their offense is just as explosive as all three of these that I just mentioned. And they have at least an argument for maybe the best unit of those three groups. So it's, it's an interesting thing. This is where I remember when they beat Dallas, we were talking about the Rashawn Gary injury just being a huge kind of a death blow to this defense Mm -hmm. because it's like, okay, so now that's, that's one of their, they didn't have, they haven't had very many impact players on defense this year. And that was the one guy who, I mean, he wasn't on a defensive player of the year type trajectory, but he was having a pro bowl, all pro kind of season to start the year. And now that guy's gone. And now you're starting to see guys like have to be overextended. You know, last night we didn't see too many of the backup edge rushers because I think they were only on the field for like 40 snaps or something. There weren't that many plays to be had on the defensive side of the ball. So I just struggle to see how they're going to slow these guys down. But with the offense hitting its stride, if you want the optimism, six weeks ago I would have told you there's not a chance in hell the Packers could win a shootout with the way their offense is. Just too many self-inflicted wounds, not enough talent, not enough speed, not enough whatever you want to include for that. Now, I think they could. It's at least feasible. You know, And I know I'm saying that they scored 24 points last night, but they easily – that could have been 40. Like, mm-hmm. if you look at they had a drive where they knocked themselves out of field goal range. They knelt, kneeled the ball three times at the one-yard line. Like, that's that's 34 points in theory if it's a field goal and the touchdown there. So, they have the ability to score points now. And, and in a way that I didn't think they could – to start the season and the offensive line being healthy certainly helps that as well. So yeah, the concern is, is on the same story for the last, what, two decades, even with Favre, Mm -hmm. it felt like that was the case with him as well was can they stop anybody? And I don't know if they can.
1: Yeah. And it's frustrating, too, because, I mean, the narrative for the entire offseason was this top five defense that it was, you know, where was the weakness? You know, you had a a defensive line that got some help in the offseason. You brought in a young inside linebacker to pair with Campbell who had an all pro season. You were looking at Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes ascending in his sophomore season, Rasul Douglas getting paid to come back and none of that has really lived up to its billing at this point. So, you know, whatever the entirety of the defense looks like, whoever's at the helm in 2023, you know, those are conversations for a later date. But this Packers team just has been, I think, an enigma for the entirety of the season. And Perry and I talked about this, you know, early in the season, ad nauseum, but the Packers have self-inflicted so many wounds upon themselves where, you know, the the Vikings, to be fair, kind of remind me of the 2019 Packers where they're winning a lot of one score games, but they're not doing it in a convincing fashion where you don't know if that's going to fizzle out or if that's going to be the thing that galvanizes them. And when you look at this Packers team, so many of what they're doing is self-inflicted where they lost four one score games that they arguably should have or could have won down the stretch. And you're talking about then a 10 and four football team that is, you know, kind of walking into the playoffs. So I hate to say that a losing season is galvanizing for a team. You kind of talked about it already, but it, it is you know something that I think we needed to see from Matt LaFleur at some point and that his ability to overcome adversity because we've talked about it on the show before, Perry and I, when they lost to the Jets and Robert Sala made the comment about knowing that you can punch someone in the mouth and how they respond, that's telling. And when somebody yes. who's supposed to be your best friend in the leagues gets up at a podium and says that about your football team, I think that they're, you know, that that means something. So I'm not saying I expect this team to win out. I'm not saying I expect them to make the playoffs. But I think this season is a lesson in self-inflicted wounds and where the Packers can respond to adversity. And I think towards the end of the season now, we're actually starting to see them do that. Where in the beginning of the season, it just felt like lip service. And they were saying all the right things and nothing was actually getting fixed.
0: Yeah, and a losing season that could force them to look at some things and maybe do things a little bit differently. You know, the discussion that I've had and Ben Fennel laid it out really well with Andy Herman, probably about a week ago now, just the way the Packers kind of approach everything um, you know, the way they build their rosters, who makes decisions uh, holding on to, whether it's letting Amari Rogers fumble three games away or something like that, or, or keeping guys trying to fit square pegs and round holes, stuff like that, you know, trying to look at things, differently. Um, you know, something I, and maybe, maybe it's all or not. Maybe they'll still be stubborn with it, but I've often said, you know, the start with this defense is Bill Huber said that like the next guy who's the coordinator, I think we're all kind of assuming there's going to be a new defensive coordinator, which maybe we shouldn't do that, but I'm going to for the sake of this discussion <laughs> is bringing a guy whose attitude on defense is not, Oh, we just need to be good enough for Aaron and the offense to win it. It's an attitude kind of guy. And I always say that starts. And I know modern day football, the old Mike Petten quote of you'll fly to Miami faster than you will, than you'll drive, which was to say, you'll throw the ball to the end zone faster than you can run. But I just don't think that that's the way you build a great defense. Like the Niners are the team I think you should model. And granted, you can't spend four consecutive top 15 picks on defensive linemen because, you know, you're hoping not to be picking that high. Every single year, but just the way the Niners approach defense is, yeah, they have their pass rushers and they'll in, they'll get Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead and those guys to get after you. But if you run the ball, you're donating it down to them. It's second and eight. It's third and seven. Like you cannot it has to start to me with a commitment to we're not going to stop the run on the way to rushing the passer, because I, I just think that's a flawed way to look at playing defense it is more important objectively yes to be good on pass defense but the Packers have been so bad at that spot for so long it's almost like okay well we gave you nine yards on the ground well now if you're built around Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary rushing the quarterback well you can't really do that when it's second and third and one because when you're playing the Eagles like Jalen Hurts is just going to line up in that little diamond formation that they run and they're going to shove him forward for a yard like it's simple so I think I hope that It's the understanding of and I said this after after they decided to bring Rodgers back uh, the last two years, 2021 and then going into this year was if you want to bring the, you know, the core of that team back, that's fine. Those teams played in NFC title games were number one seed stuff like that, but you got to add some new blood and I do feel like sometimes the Packers are a little too nepotistic when it comes to building their roster. Um, not to keep bringing up the Eagles, but like an example I can give is the Eagles are struggling to stop the run. So what do they do? They sign Linval Joseph and Indomitian Sue. Maybe that works. Maybe it doesn't. It has, um, you know, just and whereas green Bay would be like, Oh, we'll rely on our young guys. We like TJ Slayton. We like Devonte Wyatt and their 19 snaps that they played combined the last night or so. I just think that finding a way to be, and I'm not asking them to spend like the, you know, the old Washington commanders used to in free agency and stuff like that, but just, look at things a little bit differently, do things a little bit differently. And it's, and it's okay to approach things that way because it's obvious over the last 13 years. it'll be 13 seasons now starting next year that the Packers haven't won a championship barring some, you know, miracle run here, that the way you're doing things isn't good enough. Um, And you can say like, well, we had a bad bounce here or there. We had this go wrong, you know, and that's fine. But I think eventually some teams have to kind of make their own luck. And the Packers haven't haven't done that for whatever reason um, for the last couple of years. So hopefully, like you said, when it comes to responding to adversity, I think I hope that trickles up as well, not just the coaching staff, but the general manager as well.
1: Very well said. I think that's a very good spot to wrap things up. So, Jacob, before we end the show, please let the listeners know where they can follow all of your work if they don't already do so.
0: Yeah, you can follow me. I'm on Twitter. I'm at Jacob Westendorf, um, and uh, I've been writing for Packer Report. Maggie mentioned Game On Wisconsin at the top of the show here, so you can find everything at Game On WI, Game On Wisconsin on YouTube. At Packer Report sixty six, I think is the is the thing there. So the uh, the draft stuff's going to be starting here pretty soon so that'll be a lot of fun and occasionally you hear me on some local radio stuff as well so that's always fun to do that but this this is a true honor here because i am with the queen of packers podcasting so that is that is my greatest accomplishment in my opinion
1: you're too kind we're gonna wrap this up so that blake gets to go see her christmas lights but thank you jacob as always for coming on the show it's been a long time since we got in the talks some football so you know, once the kiddos are fully vaccinated, um, we'll get them together to uh, yes. in the offseason, hopefully at Lambeau Field. That would be really fun. So as always, you can find me on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney. You can follow the podcast at EWSS Podcast. Please make sure to download and subscribe to the show everywhere and anywhere that you find your favorite podcasts. Up next for the Packers, they will be traveling to Miami to take on the Dolphins on Christmas Day this coming Sunday. So once again, thank you as always for listening to the show. Thank you, Jacob, for filling in. And go Pack Go!